Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling at TCO Performance Center in Egan, where the Minnesota Vikings have the highest paid tight end in football. Yes, they do. The new contract for TJ Hawkinson is done. He is back on the practice field. He is healthy. He is ready to go for the season. Amazing how much... Those things lined up, but yeah, they got him. They got him signed, sealed, delivered. So his for ear, week one, his ears doing all right. His ears seemed fine. I uh, seemed to hear us okay during the press conference <laughs> to talk about his new contract. And he stood up nice and straight. Didn't seem to be having a lot of back issues either. So, uh, yeah, it seemed seemed healthy to me. Seemed good to go. Um, yeah, seemed like everything's everything's fine. As we were talking about on the last podcast, if you guys listened, it was it was clearly a hold in as we yeah. talked about yeah, it. It was and a number of excuses uh, to go along with why he wasn't practicing and doing it off to the side. TJ, I didn't hear the entire press conference, so you have to fill me in. But I did hear the part where he had said, "I didn't miss much. I was doing the stuff off on the side field. Yeah. I'm just getting ready." It was a response to my question about it for week one. Um, so he clearly isn't too concerned about missing all of training camp. Uh, essentially, but he says he's in all the meetings, getting all the mental preparation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so he's full steam ahead week one. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if that has any effect. I don't know that it will have a big one because he's played a lot of football, and as Kevin O'Connell pointed out, um, he came in last season in the middle of a week and had a great game against Washington and really didn't seem to miss much over the course of the season. That said... He still has not been through a training camp and offensive install, all of that sort of stuff. So I'm sure that they would have liked to have him on the practice field if they could have done so. But yeah, it was fairly obvious that this is what this was in terms of a hold in. Um, you know, whether the injuries were legitimate or they were mountain out of a molehill kind of stuff, you know, we're never really going to know the answer to that. But he certainly was not going to be in a spot where he's going to say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and and practice in full when I don't have a contract. Um, now that he does, I, I think he'll be uh, – I, I don't think these things will be a problem anymore. They certainly don't seem like they'll be the types of things. I'll be very curious to see next Wednesday if any of them even show up on the injury report. Uh, that's the first injury report comes out on Wednesday next week. A final injury report comes out on Friday. Shout out Mike Zimmer. My, um, my guess is they won't. I'm, that would be my guess as well. <laughs> my guess I, is it's going to be fully I healthy. I would bet $68.5 million that they will not. <laughs> so the Vikings signed him to a four-year extension, as you mentioned, worth up to $68.5 million. Uh, they've got him locked up for the next five years, right? Yes. Yeah, this this is one of those where he is signed, and he, he said four years, then he kind of corrected it to five. So he signed for this year, was signed for 2023, and I – believe that this then means he has signed through 2027 the four years on top of what he already had this year I believe is how this goes and that I mean that's how they've done a lot of these in the past you take the guaranteed money that's already here add a signing bonus to it and then that'll probably be the the crux of it for for this year for the most part and they may have structured that a little bit differently to lower his cap number for this year but I would think the cash would be the guaranteed money he gets plus the signing bonus and and then you go from there but yeah he's he's signed for a long time and becomes the highest paid tight end of the league on an average annual value of 17.125 million i believe which is just ahead of darren waller's 17 million dollar average and this has been the deal he's looking for he talked about wanting to reset the market um he i 
has done that. He's now the highest paid tight end in the league, not by some strat. You know, he's not making twenty million a year or something like that. It it didn't blow out of the water what Darren Waller was getting. I guess originally from the Raiders, now the Giants, but um, it does make him the highest paid in the league. And he said that was important to continue to push that number up, so other players in the future can get more than that. This has been something that the Vikings, I think, have for a long time said, we will pay you in this stratosphere. It's been kind of this, you know, it's been a long set of negotiations, obviously, because he's missed a lot of training camp and, and it was going on through that whole time. But they have certainly said, we understand that you want to be the highest paid in the league. And that has, in my sense of it, been their offer for a while. I don't think they just came up to that number um, this week. I, as I understand it, they had been offering a deal that would make him the highest paid on an average basis for the last couple of weeks, at least. I mean, you know, the times that I've heard about it, it's been more in that range. But, um, you know, as we get closer to the season, people get closer to saying, okay, let's let's get a deal done and kind of put your your best offer on the table or a little less posturing, a little more, let's get down to it and get something done. And obviously, yeah, there's like all these haggling over guarantee structures, um, whether it's fully guaranteed up front or guaranteed, you know, third day of the league year in 2025, six, whatever. Yep. All those things get argued about. Um and then all the other minutiae in these contracts, but they get it done. And Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell addressed the media today talking about the roster cutdowns. They announced this deal as they sat down to talk about it or to talk about all this stuff. In the same sit down, they basically reiterated that we also want to make Justin Jefferson the highest paid player at his position because yeah. that's what it's going to take. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the question with him, I think, is going to be is he the highest paid player? player at his position or is he's the is he the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history which is only a difference of about two or three million dollars a year my guess is he'll get the latter that he'll eclipse Aaron Donald and get you know something in the neighborhood of 33 million dollars a year I don't know when that will happen if I were setting my calendar for it and this is not knowing that this is going to go this way it's just kind of Having seen this game before, uh, Adrian Peterson was this, Dalvin Cook was this. I would keep September 9th. Uh, I put it this way. I am keeping my calendar fairly free on September 9th. I think I'm supposed to go to a uh, Gophers tailgate thing that morning. The iPad will be with me. Yeah, it'll get done right then and there. Yeah. It, oh, no doubt it will. <laughs> but uh, this is why I got the Wi-Fi plan in the car. And this is uh, the, the tablet will be with me. It's become very easy to work in the car. Uh, it's one of the marvels of modern technology. But, yeah, I, I fully expect we'll have to be taking advantage of that that day. That's incredible that um, Kirk Cousins entering a contract here has got to be looking around like Will Smith and Fresh Prince, yeah. you know, the empty room being like, hey, you know, where's all the money for me? All the money's leaving this room. It's going to TJ. It's going to go to Jefferson. It's got to go to Christian Derrissaw at some yeah. point. The Vikings are finding a way to pay a lot of these offensive players because we know Jefferson's going to get done at some point. Um, Kirk's the one we have no idea. Darisaw, you would assume at some point he's not, he's a year or two down the road. Um, but they've, they've had financial cap constraints for some time ever since they took over from Rick and they've managed to do this in a way that's kicking a lot of dead money down the road, um, for players who are here, for players who aren't here. Uh, Kirk, what is it? 20 million? 28, five in 2024 for money for next year. So 
they're finding a way to spread this out and mortgage the future a little bit and continue to do so to fit these guys in. But TJ Hawkinson has been a priority for them since they acquired him for a second round pick from Detroit. Kevin O'Connell said today that, you know, I knew pretty quickly then that he was a guy we wanted to keep around long term beyond just the 18 months he had left on the current contract we acquired. And when TJ catches more passes and more has more yardage than any tight end not named Travis Kelsey after he came to Minnesota, that's all the ammunition he needed to reset the market and everything O'Connell needed to say, yeah, this is a guy that fits in my offense and a guy we want to pay. And then they go ahead and add Jordan Addison. Uh, They get rid of the running back and Dalvin Cook, and they really rewire this passing offense to be fairly potent in what they've got right now around Kirk Cousins. And obviously that quarterback question is something we will talk about ad nauseum until his contract expires and until they find a new one. Um, but Ben, with with Hawkinson getting locked up, Jefferson um, talks ongoing, that would be about all the business they've got to wrap up currently this year. Otherwise, because Kirk basically said back in June, hey, I'm, you know, if, if we don't get it done by the season, let's talk in March pretty much. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be – I think that's kind of how it was going to go regardless. I mean, that certainly sounded that way in March. I mean, it, there was sort of this discussion of let's see how the year goes. Let's see how the rest of the league kind of feels about him. Um, you know, that goes into all of this too in the sense of if he has a good year, and we've talked about this, that maybe it becomes – if there was, you know, agents cannot talk specifically with teams about players that are on other teams, but they can say things like, let's say there's a quarterback that is of this age that put up these numbers this year and will be a free agent in March. What would you be, what would your interest level be in such a quarterback? Um, that can happen. It probably will it helps inform the discussion if they are going to come back to the table in the spring. I think the interesting thing you mentioned, Kirk kind of doing the Will Smith thing, um, the fact that TJ Hawkins is 26 and Justin Jefferson is 24 probably is a big part of this. I don't think it's impossible they bring Kirk back. I, I We've said it a lot of times on here. I, I think there's still a possibility of that, but – that does have something to do with the eagerness to sign players at this point is I think the youthfulness of yeah. Hawkinson, of Jefferson, does frame the conversation a little bit differently. Yeah, it does. And they they made the decision to try to build around this core, establish a young core, rebuild the roster, because um, they have shed a decent amount of the high-paid players from the previous regime. Um, and what, another guy that they shed – uh, was Jalen Rieger. Yep. Um, they ended up moving on from him, uh, settling on five receivers and four tight ends. Uh, I'm starting to believe Kevin O'Connell when he says he wants to play with more tight ends on the field. Yeah. I didn't always believe it last year when they were talking about C.J. Ham in the fullback spot because that Rams offense was brought over almost in a carbon copy when it comes to the personnel formations they deployed last year. Um, but with um, Johnny Munt, T.J. locked up, John uh, – uh, What's Oliver's name? Josh Oliver. With all those guys coming in now, this offense could look a little bit differently, even with uh, them feeling good about their three wide receivers set with Addison and KJ Osborne as well. Um, I don't think the Rager cut was much of a surprise because you have Brandon Powell yeah. coming in and taking his spot. Yeah, I'm Brandon Powell, who's going to be the 
the return man. Well, Kenny Wong was out too. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting only in the sense of the guaranteed money that he had $2.41 million guaranteed for 2023 because of that fifth-year option. The No, I guess not the fifth-year option yet. The fifth-year option would be next year. Sorry, the fourth year of his base salary as a rookie. Um, there is offset language in that deal, and that the Vikings must feel comfortable enough with that that he'll make some of that money that he's going to play somewhere, obviously. I don't believe he got claimed on waivers today. I haven't seen it if he did. Yeah, um, I haven't checked it either, but yeah. I don't think those would process. Well, I suppose they process right about now as yeah. we're recording. <laughs> yep, the the clean, easy way to do it is if somebody picks him up, yeah. that that deal is completely off the books. That money comes back, no problem. Uh, the way it would work, independent of that, is they owe him two point four one two, I think, uh, million dollars less whatever somebody else pays him. So if he makes a million dollars from somebody else. He pays a million dollars of that money basically back to the Vikings. So the first two point four one million he earns anywhere else will offset what he was going to get from the Vikings. If he makes more than that, great, but he can't double dip, essentially. So they will get some money back whether he plays in the NFL, whether he plays in the CFL, whether he plays in the XFL, whether he plays in the UFL, whether he plays in the Arena League. Anybody that's gonna pay him money to play football the Vikings will get some money back. I was surprised to see that language in the contract. It says like any other yes. football league. Yep. <laughs> Lawyers are not going to leave those loopholes in yeah. there for a reason. You can't go to the CFL and double dip. No. there's. It's always kind of like, why do these teams employ so many lawyers? Well, yeah. they sign a lot of contracts. Yeah. And writing the language to not have loopholes in the contracts is a big part of what they do. Um, that was one decision that hurts the Vikings in a trade that didn't work out opposite TJ Hawkinson, which obviously did work out for them. Um, they'd sent a 2024 fifth round pick that'll stay a fifth round pick based on the statistical measures. Cause it could have been a fourth had he caught like 40 passes or had, it was like 40 passes or 800 yards or five touchdowns or something like that. Um, and with him not reaching any of those, cause he had eight catches last year. Um, that stays a fifth round pick that the, will cost the Vikings plus a seventh round pick. Um, it, it, yeah, that was one that Kwesi was asked about today. And he said, we're going to keep taking risks as an organization. You can't just look at one decision. You have to look at all of ours as a portfolio. And we're, you know, as we're all putting that portfolio yeah. together, uh, to judge the GM, uh, they at least hit one with Hawkinson by being able to resign him, uh, even with the franchise tag in their back pocket, if they needed to use that. Uh, but they don't uh, on him anyway, on TJ that is. So and that I mean you mentioned the franchise tag that that was 100% something they were going to do if they needed it, and I'm sure that was part of the discussion. Is that if we don't take the deal now, uh, if you hold out for even more, if you hold out for you know some guarantee structure that's even bigger than because I I think. I'll be curious to see what this one looks like. I think they were willing to do some things differently than they've done them in the past in terms of how they typically done guarantees. I'll be curious to see the full deal when it's here. But I have to think that factored into it for Hawkinson in saying, look, if I don't do this, it's not like I'm going to be a free agent next year. They would have used the franchise tag on him if they needed to do it. And so then you're you're essentially playing on two years where you are – rolling the dice in terms of health in terms of performance you're not getting you know securing the bag as the kids say in the long-term sense until 2025 at that point 
So I have to think that came into it. The Vikings had leverage because of the franchise tag and the fact that they would have been able to use it because they wouldn't have needed to use it on Jefferson next year or really anybody else of known. I think that would be the obvious fit for it. So that did help them here too. And whether it needed to, whether this got done because everybody was just exchanging ideas and it was amicable or that was mentioned, it certainly was there. Um, it was a, le- a point of leverage they had, and I, I have to imagine Hawkinson was aware of that. Um, that His deal wasn't the only one they were discussing this past weekend. I'd heard that they were discussing Johnny Munt, who was a free agent um, after this season, right? The best number three tight end. Yeah. In the league. That's the best number three tight end in the league, Johnny Munt, to you. And, you were thinking you were coming to this podcast for TJ Hawkinson's <laughs> team. We got bonus Munt steam for you. No, there is no steam. Uh, yeah, the, the the discussions over a potential extension left with, well, all of our money's probably going to go to somebody else. Um, well, and, yeah. And it did. And they've got Josh Oliver locked up for two years, $8 million guaranteed. Probably ends up being more than that over two years. But That is an expensive tight end room. It is. It is. And so Munt is going to explore his options, as, it's, as it seems right now, after this season as the number three tight end. Somebody who played a much bigger role last year in the offense because of Irv Smith Jr.'s injury um, before they acquired TJ. Brian Angelicchio, feel free to ask one of your players <laughs> to pick up dinner. The Vikings might have the deepest room in the league because they keep Nick Muse, yep. and then Ben Sims gets claimed off waivers. <laughs> yeah. I talked to Muse after practice today, and he said, we take that as a point of pride that five of us that were in camp are on active rosters. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, it's that's a deep group. and they got to use them, Kevin. Yeah, I, I thought – Muse had a great camp. I thought Ben Sims had a great camp, it's especially in the preseason games. Both those guys showed up, and Johnny Munt did a lot of things too. So, um, yeah, it's it's certainly a position of strength, and you would think use if em. they're going to invest that much, they will. <laughs> I would think you'll see a lot more of those guys this year. you got to use them. Uh, and so long as Jordan Addison catches up on the run-blocking side of things, he might become a three-down player eventually, but he'll, sh- he'll surely get his stuff in the passing game. Um, there was one other thing we should talk. I want to talk about quickly before we let you guys go that happened this weekend or this week. Um, they cut Najee Thompson, but then didn't cut Najee Thompson. (laughs) That came out, uh, because the Vikings reached out to Najee's agent who used to represent somebody else that they were intending to cut. And the wires got crossed there where, uh, Najee's agent thought they were talking about his current client and not his former client. And so that was a screw up on Minnesota's part. I'm not sure who made the call from Minnesota, but that was a screw up on the team's part. And that's how it gets reported on Twitter and spread like wildfire because that's how it is that they're cutting one of these top undrafted players. Yeah. Who had a really good preseason within 10 minutes. We're getting the call back being like, no, 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 wait, just kidding. They, they, uh, they meant to cut a different guy. And they just weren't clear about who. So it's it's insane how quickly these things get relayed, both to the representatives and to the player and then to the rest of the world. Yep. And when a simple mix-up like that uh, turns into people thinking that they're cutting a kid and they're not, but Najee ends up being one of three undrafted players that makes this roster, uh, which was impressive for him after he had a standout camp. Uh, he probably won't be making 17 mil, but the, guy, uh, the guy's happy to be where he's at, certainly. Yeah, it's... Uh it's certainly one of those things that he had a great camp and had a number of plays in the preseason that flashed. And it's a good story to to have the, the undrafted guys make the team. And, and certainly um, I think he's going to have a big role on special teams throughout the course of the season. Yeah. And let's hear from uh, Mark Craig, our colleague at the Star Tribune, who did a number of stories on those undrafted guys right now. 
All right, now we're joined by Mark Craig, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, NFL writer for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Mark, you obviously did a lot of good work this training camp on guys who ended up making the roster. So clearly you knew it was going to be Najee Thompson, Ivan Pace, Brandon Powell, and the like. You, you saw it coming. With that and my my desire after 30-some years of doing this to talk to people that no one else wants to talk to. <laughs> <clears throat> um, you know, Najee, obviously, I saw what everyone saw on, on you know, in the preseason games where the incredible speed. And then I started looking at his bio, and it's like, you know, he set the record for the 200 in South Carolina, and he told who he, who the record that he broke. And um, so, <clears throat> you know, just, and just talk, actually, first time I ever interviewed a sports writer who gave him the nickname Flash. The um, sports writer gave him the nickname? A sports writer gave him the nickname Flash wow. because he, he won the, when he won the 200, or, or as he was, you know, showing his speed on the field. And um, he was he was number 82. He was defensive back, and they put him in as a sophomore on the in, on varsity. And this, this guy who's a long-time Preps writer said, you know, what's that what's that little guy with 82 on? You know, why is he wearing, you know, why is he in the game? And then he goes, oh, and then he saw his speed. And he says, oh, that's why. Uh, so then um, he's, a, he's a great, seems like a great kid too, great quote. Um, but it had a lot to do with uh, what he did uh, in that preseason game, especially that first one where he came down. And then he did it again. So um, I'm glad he made the team. I mean, those are the kind of guys that you, you know, preseason is so boring. It's so tedious. But to see guys like him, that's what I like to look at. And really, Thompson Thompson got $0 to sign here with the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, the other undrafted guy who made it, uh, other than Thompson and Pace, was Andre Carter, but he was guaranteed three hundred forty grand. He was the top undrafted signing. Thompson really came out of nowhere. And as you mentioned, the standout on special teams, um, he's going to be part of this team, especially replacing Chris Boyd, a guy who was a gunner uh, for them in the past, um, who, who went on to and left in free agency to Arizona. Um, but you had a good story on Pace as well. Um, t- talk a little bit about his uh, upbringing, how he got here, and and really, I think that was one of the first stories you wrote in camp, just seeing a guy who really kind of stood out. Yeah, I think it was, it was during a stretch where a couple of days where and I'm sure you noticed it as well. He he was he was kind of taking over Troy Die or, or is the, in the second team. So I wrote it before the first preseason game. So I mean, he obviously his bio. When you look at his bio and and just how how decorated his career was at Cincinnati, um, you're surprised. I mean, we've seen a lot of bad seventh round linebackers come come through this I always said Rick Spielman he's always looked for the next Chris Spielman always found the next Rick Spielman uh, there were a lot of bad you know linebackers picked in the seventh round I, I'm amazed this guy made it all the way through and it's clearly it's for one reason it's the fact he's 510 and he's a uh, short in stature but he's a you know as I'm watching practicing and who can I write about I just see a guy that was never flat-footed he was always moving uh, always around the ball and he kept thinking well you know, whenever it's a live game action, that some guard is at six six is gonna like just envelop this guy and just embarrass him. But the more you look at him, it's like well, he could also embarrass a big guy because he can he can move and and quick and get around people. And then uh, talking to uh, Spence Nowinski, who was his uh, defensive coordinator, or his, uh, actually is um, I think his linebackers coach at Miami of Ohio before he transferred to Cincinnati. This guy's now a defensive coordinator at Ohio University, and he he called it. He was like, you know, he's the one that said this. This guy will hit you in the face with a crowbar for sixty minutes, and he said he is the he's not the six four guy going to Penn State, six five guy going to USC. 
but he's what they want those guys to be, you know, in, in, internally, just, uh, his, you know, he's a, you know, he's a cliche football player. Um, and that guy called it. He's like, you know, preseason games are going to start. He's going to hit someone. He's going to do some things and everybody's going to be talking about him. And, and it wasn't long before, he, you know, hey, this guy's not gonna, only going to make the – I wrote it because I thought, hey, there's a guy who's going to make the team as a special teams guy. And then it wasn't too long before I was, hey – because uh, right after I wrote the story is when Asamoah started not practicing for a long time. And then I was like, no, nah, this guy's going to start maybe. And um, it would be interesting to see because he's not going to be Mike Singletary right away. He's not going to be – he's going to have some probably some embarrassing moments if he starts. Um, but – He's also going to be uh, worthy of being on the final 53 for sure. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell today was kept. He was asked about is Osimo back? What's your plan there? And he kind of was mum about obviously the plan and said we might use all three all three of them on the field at the same time. Talking about Pace, Osimo, and Jordan Hicks. Um, but he took all the first team reps because Osimoa missed the entire preseason, missed two weeks of, of practices. I think most of the joint sessions, uh, he only got back there for the final one against the Cardinals. Um, and, and all that work, they gave him the, the in-helmet microphone too, pace to, to work with in preseason games. Kevin O'Connell used the phrase at one point, gold stars all around for this guy. Um, they really seem to have kind of liked him. And I remember your first question to Flores about him was basically with his stature of like, how does he use that as leverage, which is a nice way to put it. He's really diminutive. <laughs> and he said he has natural born leverage, yeah. which is <laughs> the right. nicest way of saying a guy's short. Andrew, I think you have some natural born uh, leverage as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, and then talking to uh, the inside linebackers coach, whose name I'm drawing a blank on. Mike Saravo. Yes. Uh, he was fantastic. He's like, you know, this again was before the preseason game started. He's like, you know, um, I'll know more when the th- when three preseason games are, are over. And it turns out this guy only needed to play two before they're like, okay, well, we don't need to see any more. But he's like, I, I just like, I like him so much. I want to see more. I like him. I want to see more of him. And, um, and I can, you can see it. And I, I'm just dumbfounded that 32 teams did not take a seventh round pick uh, on this guy. So, yeah, and I can't remember the money he signed for, but it wasn't a ton. It's like 230 is what he got guaranteed. Okay. So it was a decent amount. Never yeah, mind. For, <laughs> for, for the, you know, for those guys, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I look at, you know, some of their, uh, I think I did this last year when, uh, Zach Thompson, uh, McLeod. Yeah. Or McLeod, Zach, Zach yeah. McLeod. Yeah. Yep. And he, um, got something like that. And, now he he and Luigi both of them got similar money like that. And they were making more than I think they got more than Nick Muse made and maybe the whoever was a sixth rounder. Uh, they got more guaranteed money than those guys. So this is really becoming uh, I don't know. It's almost more important than the the end of the draft is who who are they who are you going to give that two hundred and thirty or three hundred or in the future it'll probably be close to a million to the guys who don't get drafted because then you can really specify uh, these guys can like. They, uh, I was talking to, to Pace, and he was like, I, I, I was almost happy that I didn't get drafted because he, he said he liked the Cowboys and the Vikings. And he wanted to go to one or the other. And it was like uh, the Vikings happened to be a good fit as well as being one of his favorite teams. That's interesting that you bring that up. It's almost to their benefit if they get them the free agent option, and the money is just as good as a sixth, and, seventh round. And it could be better. Uh, like it was with, with McLeod, uh, that guaranteed money is better. Um, so Andre Carter, honestly, Andre Carter – he gets picked in the seventh round. I don't know about what you saw, but I think he gets cut. He'd be the one that's on the practice squad now, I would think. And Luigi would be the one on the regular roster. I, so I don't know. Maybe that money plays into it. I don't, I'm not sure.
I'm sure it does. Yeah, and, and um, I would guess they view Carter as having that upside of, like, he's just a giant dude, right? Like, you probably see some moldable clay there in Carter, where Villain, as good as he's been for them in spurts, uh, physically isn't as gigantic as Carter is. But you're right. He was also guaranteed more. Villain, I think, got 227 last year. Carter gets 340 this year, I think it was. And that might be fifth-round money. for. I'd have to go back and look at it. Um, and someone did say that uh, Andre Carter looked like – Daniel, size-wise, they must have been looking at him from a distance. <laughs> and this is no no offense to, to uh, Carter because he's a young guy. He's going to put on muscle. But I said he looks like Daniel if you took all the air out of Daniel. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's got a no. little way to go before he gets to Daniel. Very few people on earth look like Daniel Hunter. Right, yes. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about Brandon Powell, too, somebody who essentially got Jalen Rager waived. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they had to move on from Rager, a guy they sent a fifth-round pick and a seventh-round pick to Philadelphia for. Rager had eight catches last year, wasn't great on punt returns. This offseason, they bring in Powell, who, who you wrote about, um, as a guy who, to compete for those jobs, punt returner, receiver, and he won. Yeah, I, and he's a guy – I mean, I, I, we were talking on the sideline early in camp, and I said, I like Powell better than I do Rager. Um and then there was a preseason game. It was the first one. I, there was, a, I think he had two catches, and they weren't for very many yards. But, um, and I'm not comparing him to any other slot receivers that that are that are fantastic. So I'm not going to say the names. But he was the kind of guy that looked like he could get into a spot, catch it, fall down, or catch it and get blown up. And not that he's big, but he's solid. It's like five nine, right? Yeah, he's but he's he's, uh, he's built solid, and I feel like he, you know, there'd be um, wouldn't be fear. Not that they'd even really need him to do much of that, but I think. You might with um, you know multiple receivers, you'll see some of that more than you would with Rager. I think Rager they they brought him because, and they've said this a few times. It's like, well, you know, his speed's a difference maker. His speed's this, his speed's that. Um, you know, there's there's so many times I think that protection, which is what we know about here, especially the inside protection with Kirk, and that you're not going to get that opportunity to throw it a bomb to, to Rager very often. And frankly, you'd rather throw it to uh, the best receiver in football even if he's covered. Um, so, you know, I don't know that, that Rager would, would be a guy that would do what Powell does, uh, work in the middle and the seams and stuff like that. So, and then he's, uh, you know, I think, uh, not that Powell's a great punt returner, but I think he's probably better at that too. So, Yeah, he, he took reps in camp um, along with uh, Thayer Thomas, who, who got blown up in that preseason finale. I'm um, trying to remember who else they look. Oh, obviously, Rager was taking those punt return reps in camp as well. But um, Powell's the guy now uh, at that punt returner spot, and they didn't really need to test him at all in the preseason. And like Ivan Pace, Powell didn't even have to play in the preseason finale, which is a testament to how they view him. And they put uh, Thayer out there enough times to, to for the entire league to know that he will never be a punt <laughs> returner. So they, uh, you know, you talk about putting things on film, you can put bad things on film as well. Uh, not that he, you know, they did bring him back to the practice squad, I think. So, and I know that uh, Keenan McArdle likes likes the kid. He sort of sees himself in people like him. Um, he, he mentioned Jalen Naylor too, and I said, Keenan, you were a twelfth round pick. Naylor was fourth, or uh, Naylor or, was six. Or was he six? Okay, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> six and twelve. Uh, twelve doesn't even exist anymore. So, but yeah, I, you know, I think Thayer could, you know, there's something that they see in him. He's quick, but he's not a punt returner. Um, any other thoughts you had on the roster? We got a couple minutes um, from what you saw in the fifty-three man that was put out here, and and they they end up making um, a few tertiary moves, bringing in Miles Gaskin, bringing in David Questenberry from other teams. 
Uh, were there any surprises? I guess Nick Muse. How about him making the roster? Yeah, Nick Muse is a guy also that uh, on a slow day when there weren't many guys coming off the field and I had to do the notebook, uh, someone stopped Nick. So we ended up talking to Nick, and he, that's when he said, I'm also going to be the backup long snapper. So news, you know, <laughs> I, breaking news there. I was like, yeah, that's, that sounds like a cool thing. And, um, I, you know, and then I didn't follow up. I, I didn't watch him. I don't. I don't know if he did snap. In that I don't think he did. If okay. he did, it was at the very end. Maybe he was lying to me. I don't know. Yeah, well, at the very end, he might have. But when he talked to you and you guys, he he seemed pretty set on like I'm auditioning for everyone else because they've got three tight ends. Here. Yeah, I think he and uh, certainly I thought that you know that you know you, you wouldn't keep four, but uh, you know it, it's going to be they're going to have a lot more. Uh, not that he's a good blocker. That's 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 what kind of surprised me is that. Um, you know, they have their blocking tight end that they got on the first day of free agency. They have obviously Hawkinson, who now is the highest paid ever at tight end for, for, uh, till, till, <laughs> until, uh, until Kate, till Kelsey sees the, uh, the, yeah, the right. news, the ticker and says, wait a minute, I've got to renegotiate. He'll get an inner air infection whenever he sees that one. Yeah, uh, but, equal. but yeah, I thought that, you know, that's a surprise, um, and I think you see that you know, they've signed how many tackles now or offensive linemen since they were since they they've cut. brought in four. From I, I think they're the I think they're frankly I think they're frightened to death about their swing tackle situation with Darisaw as a Darisaw has a chance to be a great left tackle, but I don't know if he's going to be a great throwback tackle that's going to play you know like never miss a snap for ten years. So you know, and, and concussions last year um, that's a concern. And then O'Neill is coming off the injury. Uh, Ole play, had a terrible uh, preseason, terrible camp. I thought um, they traded Vidarian Lowe. Just yeah, got that, rid of him. that surprised me first. Is that they must not have thought much of Vidarian Lowe because I uh, Ole they can't be thinking real highly of him right now. And then whenever you see the the uh, initial fifty three, and you see all these offensive linemen come in, and I think they're 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 scared of what could happen at tackle, and they don't they don't have what they need. So. I don't know if Ole's contract figured into them keeping him, um, but man, he's got to step it up because I I would hate to see him in that situation because he's just not ready for it. Let him look ready for it. Yeah, Ole Udo signed one of those deals where it, it's a, a team benefit because he was here four years where it counts half of what he's getting paid. And if they would have moved on from him, they essentially would have been paying to move on from him another 1.2 million unless somebody claimed that contract on waivers. Uh, but he wouldn't have been put on waivers because he's got four years experience. So I think they were stuck with him financially uh, unless they could trade him. And and who would try to trade for him after that preseason? Yeah, like you said, I, all the financial stuff, I don't know how they figure it out because I, I look at their, when I call up dead money and look at it, I'm like, I see Adam Thielen counting 13, 14 million as dead money. I'm like, geez, I, I think I'd rather have the player and maybe – have him at sixteen million or whatever it would have taken. I don't know any of this stuff, but I'm just saying it's like, so in some cases it feels like they they'll hang on to a guy who's maybe not as not deserving or or is struggling, and then other times they'll be like getting rid of a guy and just take the money. And so it's kind of it's, uh, if I if I knew all those answers, I wouldn't be sitting here uh, talking to you. You'd be in Rob Brzezinski's seat up there, up there making a lot more money than anybody in the media room. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us. Uh, everybody, please go to StarTribune.com. Check out the stories we mentioned on Najee Thompson, uh, Ivan Pace, Brandon Powell. You'll learn a lot more about the guys you'll start seeing on Sundays in terms of the young guys coming in. Um, until then, please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com.